Hello and welcome to Fragmenters, the most entertaining podcast that I've found where you get to have a conversation with business women who are enthusiastic about life, work, and money. We love building up other women and getting them ready for their new careers. Cause, 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 no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Fragmenters. I am having just the best morning. I hope you are too. I would like to remind you that rating and reviewing this podcast on whatever service you're listening to would help exquisitely. And now I will quit boring you and introduce you to our next guest. She is Stacy Rasky. She is a badass biker bitch, an Iraq war vet, and a leadership mentor and mindset coach. Welcome to the podcast, Stacey. Oh, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. So you gave me your official title, but I prefer your unofficial. So how about you go ahead and tell us all about that? <laughs> oh, yes, I know. Whenever I go to like um, networking events, you know, you know, people are always like, oh, what do you do? And I just lovingly say I specialize in mind unfuckery. because that works it's very memorable when you meet people at a networking event and you start with that if that's your opener they're always going to (laughs) remember well not just that it is a very good opener and reminder but I've not heard a better explanation of what coaches do because that's really what you're doing we have this mindset that we've been given on leadership or ourselves or whatever and you just unfuck it for us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. It is. It's all the programming and paradigms and all the BS that, you know, we've grown up with that, of course, ends up running the show. And so, you know, I work with all of these amazing high performing leaders, entrepreneurs and executives, and it is we are the exact limiter to getting to the next level. It's, you know, so it's about getting, not just getting out of your own way, but breaking out of the sabotage cycle for good. Because again, as high performers, most of us really were not high performers. We're just high functioning and our high functioning, unhealthy coping has just generated an ROI. So the idea of you know, making changes, especially the inner work side, sometimes can be um, a bit of a leap for people because they're like, yeah, but I'm, it's working. But if you're maxed out on time and energy, it's not really working. You know, you're, you're overworking or overdoing it or, you know, just hitting that point where everything that you did to create success thus far, that's awesome, but it's the exact limiter that's stopping you from getting to the next level. So we got to go way deeper into the onion, (laughs) heal those deepest inner worthiness wounds, um, and really be able to shine and step into embodying the identity of the leader we're called to be with highest passion, purpose, power, all the, all the things, right? All the things just impact and influence. So I absolutely love that you said bursting through our limiting beliefs because a lot of people that I've watched or worked with, they talk about you hit your ceiling and then you have to work through something to get to the next ceiling. And then you have to work through that. So I love thinking of working with one person and being like, 
fuck, it's all gone. <laughs> we don't go through one ceiling, then the next. We're like, gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it is, it's a new level, same devil. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's as you go to that next level of who you're called to be, that will require doing the next level deeper inner work. Mm-hmm. And so we will see some of those same storylines coming back up, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know about you, but how many times you're doing the work and you're like, wait, I swear I worked on this already. Why is this showing up again? Well, because you are a completely new version of yourself right now, mm-hmm. engaging in new activities. Cause obviously you're, if you're really stepping outside the comfort zone to do some big impactful stuff in the world, right? It's all new. So it's triggering something deeper that we have that opportunity to, to heal and, and break through and completely shift whatever it is that's coming up. I love that. Recently, I told my therapist something similar. I'm on my third and we're working through before I have, I was diagnosed with CPTSD and apparently it always stays there. You're just in remission, but I worked through everything, thought I was good this year, realized I had an eating disorder. So I'm going to a therapist working through that and we were like halfway through the session and something came up and I was like, I thought I handled this. Like mm-hmm. I I remember multiple sessions where we worked through this and I was good and she's like you're just at a new point and it's affecting you differently instead of causing these triggers and symptoms now you're binging or restricting and I'm like well I thought I did it but guess not. <laughs> guess not all the way. <laughs> but that's also well, a very good sign like you said because it shows growth. Mm -hmm. It is right. I think, you know, we habitually jump to self-judgment that somehow we're bad or wrong rather than celebrating. Oh shit. I have just grown past where, what I dealt with before. This is awesome. Like, thank you for bringing up this old shit for me to now process and learn from and release so I can get to that next level. But we tend to be in that place of judgment and, and disappointment around it. I never thought of that. It, I'm going to start looking at it differently because yeah, that's, I always judged. That's such yeah. a good point. And that's, that's, I feel like ultimately at the end of this, that is the secret sauce to truly optimizing ourselves as leaders, as impactors, as influential people that if we can get to the place where we stop making the journey harder than it needs to be (laughs) through all the judgment and rejection and whatever it is that we're throwing on top of it, honestly, it'd be smooth sailing. Like, yes, we're going to experience stuff that, you know, is negative or old junk or whatever to come up and heal. But if we sit in just observance of it and say, oh, okay, cool. What am I learning here? Cool. Do it, process it, move on. Like it would be so smooth and effortless, (laughs) but it's a, we uh, then go into the judgment and we go into the, uh, right. What happens is 
we go into our high functioning trauma response. Mm -hmm. So the walls go up, we get defensive, and then we start doing those unhealthy habits and patterns. So I'm the same way. If things start going out of control, and if I'm not keeping up with my emotional processing and my self-care and my routines, my default at the end of the day is some type of self-destructive behavior, more so in the realm of self-abuse, self-punishment, like an eating disorder, mm -hmm. because I can control what I put in my body or not and what I do with that, right? So if I feel like a complete and utter shit show internally, emotionally, and I'm going into that self-destructive habit loop, and I feel that need, that impulse, it's that's going to be where some of that unhealthy eating or drinking or whatever the different self-destructive habit loops I used to have, you know, but that is how it would show up. Mm -hmm. And over time, the, the issue is a lot of people don't recognize that we tend to just pivot our addictive or extreme or self-destructive behavior. So we might stop being self-destructive in terms of, so I don't self-harm anymore. However, I may overeat, which is just another version of it yes. or overwork right? For those of us, like, it's easy for us to say, wow, I, I love what I do. It's so fulfilling. It's so impactful. It's amazing. And yet we go into that hyper-focus, forget to take a break, forget to drink water, forget to eat, right? Like we go down that same extreme self-destructive behavior, that self-abuse, but we don't even recognize it because it's under the veil of purpose, drive, impact, service to others. That is such but a good it's the point. same stuff. Yeah, so that is it's, such it's a good point. to pay attention to. So how does someone know when they're in that? How, how does someone know when they need to reach out? Ideally, we do it before we get to that point the better time to build the healthy habits is when we're not in freak out and trauma response. Mm -hmm. And and by saying trauma response, what I mean is fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, mm -hmm. right? If we go into our survival response in any capacity, we're going to go into that, into that place. It's going to bring up all of those unhealthy habits, those coping mechanisms that served a purpose when we were children they kept us safe yeah there's a reason we have them you know and and it's all the ways we've learned to self-soothe to self to comfort to stay safe to self-protect even though later it turns into self-destruction mm -hmm. so Ideally, building the habit loops around routines, emotion mastery, energy mastery, self-leadership, boundaries, responsibility. We do it when we're in a good place. So when shit hits the fan and we tend to shut down and withdraw and start, you know, all of those um, behaviors that are maybe not the most supportive or ideal for us moving forward, you know, we can start creating a little bit of a gap between the trigger and then how we choose to respond instead of a full reaction. However, it is when things start to feel hard, 
and it feels different for everyone, but because I work with so many high performers, the biggest indicator we start to see is that feeling of pressure and it's self-created, totally internal pressure that we have to get our goal or we have to do something or something's not working out, which means I'm not doing enough, right? We start to create this subconscious storyline around pressure, performance, results. And so that starts to trigger these control issues. So now we're starting to see the response, which is, I don't feel safe. So the way we create safety in an unhealthy way is through control. So, all right, let me be more perfect. Let me take more action because hustle is control. I'm going to try to curate the results by doing as much as I possibly can rather than focusing on the process results we're focused or the process uh, goals which are the steps along the way we can control to we get too focused on the results goals and so before all of those things or we start to feel like wow okay we're we're working a little harder we're pushing a little harder things are feeling harder you know we're having this internal dialogue that's not in this light airy way of leading and being in the world if we start to get into a little more critical a little more judgmental a little more pissy right we're starting to see the signs that we're going into that trauma response Mm -hmm. so that's the best time to lean into your tribe lean into your tools you know ask for help from your support system your community and hopefully have one (laughs) now i have to talk about the elephant in the room you probably don't see it. It's behind you. <laughs> I introduced you as a badass biker bitch and an Iraq war veteran. And I read your book. You had PTSD, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what you're talking about does not sound like male dominated background because you were also a, uh, oh my gosh, you know what you were with the pills. <laughs> pharmaceutical pharmaceutical chemist chemist. I'm so sorry (laughs) yeah so yes I am a scientist every every profession I've had has been really male dominated I mean I from managing a copy center (laughs) as a teenager to obviously military you know, being in the army is pretty male dominated. And I did chemical and biological warfare detection in the army. So again, kind of like really unique subset being in the army's only active duty biological warfare detection units. And my first official deployment was actually cleaning up anthrax at the Pentagon after nine 11. So, and among other tons of deployments after that, but my degrees in biology. And then I was a pharmaceutical chemist for seven years. So yeah, huge science nerd, huge science nerd. And obviously all of those industries are male dominated, even being an author and a a public speaker. I mean, even an entrepreneur, these are all still very male dominated. For sure. Um, So how did you get from this male dominated space, some much more than others thinking war vet and, you know, pharmaceutical chemist, how have you been able to push through the maleness of it and come to be so inner self? Like what was, what was your path there? So it's really just been my own healing journey of finding that balance with 
my masculine and feminine energy. Cause obviously all of us, everything in nature has, you know, the yin and yang, right? We have masculine and feminine and understanding like the masculine energy um, is the safety, the stability, the boundaries, the discipline, consistency, that type of stuff, right? Like there's a whole list of those traits and qualities that are that, you know, just think safe, stable, action oriented, you know, all of that. And then the feminine energy, that's the creativity, the vulnerability, the strength, the authenticity, our receiving of what we desire, even our ability to release and let shit go. All of that is that feminine energy. And we have empowered, you know, healthy for both of those. And then we have the unhealthy or dysfunctional or disempowered versions of that as well. So like that dis, I I used to function in the disempowered masculine feminine energy. So my masculine was, I didn't have boundaries. So guess what I had? I had walls and (laughs) control. Hello, everybody who has the control issues. Yeah, that's your disempowered masculine. (laughs) That was all me, the recovering control freak. And a lot of that impulse control and anger and, you know, just like that type of stuff. And then my disempowered feminine was the neediness, Mm -hmm. the manipulation, the, you know, just... Yeah, a lot of that overly emotional. It'd be like very extreme. It was just all or nothing. So it's just that. So my healing journey has been about elevating into the empowered states and having this balance and integration. So a lot of people know me because they're like, oh my gosh, Stacey, your, you know, your, your vulnerability is your superpower. You're so authentic and real. And they always think about it in the sense of like this feminine energy, right? Like that piece. And I'm like, do you know what my magic really is? It's actually my masculine. It's my ability to create safe space. And then even though I'm accessing my emotional, it's the ability to create the safe space for you to feel comfortable accessing your own. I'm not making you, I'm not giving you this feminine energy. It's I've created the safe space for you to be willing to connect to those parts of yourself that you normally don't because you don't feel safe. And now you're willing to share it. So, you know, having that, you know, 250 pound, you know, jock looking veteran dude at one of my speaking events or, you know, one of my events bawling his eyes out because it's that part of himself he's not held space for. And here we are able to hold that space and he feels comfortable accessing and releasing that feminine energy within himself. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. That sounds amazing. And you're right. The feminine doesn't command a stage. I'm sorry. You can you can, it's very rare, but usually you're in your masculine when you walk up there and you're like, bitch, look at me. I know what the fuck I'm saying. <laughs> well, see, I do both. I bring both because I'll, oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll com- have that energy that commands while at the same time being able to be that mirror for people because I access my emotions, right? So like the best speakers, it's about how they make you feel. So it's their ability to access their feminine energy, their emotional power 
and use it for that good of guiding and nurturing the audience to whatever the desired outcome is. And so it's really, it's both. We, you do have to bring both mm-hmm. or, you know, and we've seen the speakers where it's one or the other and it's not nearly as effective. Yeah. You know, the guy, the, you know, well, men or women who come on stage and are just in their masculine, it's so dry. It's so boring. You're like, oh, or they're blah. just yelling, <laughs> right? Like just the intensity. And I'm like, that seems kind of like the fake emotion, right? If they're just bringing intensity without the emotion. Or you see some people, they come and they start sharing their story and they have not been able to create their own internal safety to, to funnel that flow. Mm-hmm. And so it ends up just being this, this dump of emotion, right? So I like to lovingly say the masculine energy is the river banks to the flow of that feminine energy, right? And we've got to have both. You got to be the bumpers on the bowling alley. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> How did you move from your pharmacology background into this space? Because it's quite different. I pictured lab coat, beakers, Mm -hmm. pill capsules to this vivacious woman on a stage. That's a giant difference. How did you decide you were done with one and started the other? Um, it decided for me, (laughs) my rock bottom moment. So it was, I had actually, so people meet me now and they just are like, of course you've been doing this forever. And that's not the case. My rock bottom moment was only at the end of 2014. Mm -hmm. So really it's only seven years ago that I've been doing this work because I started my journey really at the beginning of 2015. 2015 was my big transformation year, lost a hundred pounds got healthy, all that stuff. But prior to that, I had lost my corporate career because of my health, between my mental health and my physical health. I was on, ended up on short-term disability, then long-term disability. So I took my year. And then at the end of that year, I was like, I can't go back. It's just a toxic environment. It's part of what's contributed to my mental health and physical health decline. Mm-hmm. So I'm just not going to go back. So that was one of those variables. Um, but then, you know, so I lose my corporate career. My marriage is falling apart. Obviously my health is in shambles. <laughs> like it was, I was just a complete disaster. And so this, you know, night I it's in between Christmas and new year's at the end of 2014. I just have a fight with Jeff. He goes storms off in the other room. I'm bawling my eyes out, go into the kitchen. I'm just shoving food from the cabinet right into my face. Like not even <laughs> just like out of bag, just in my face. And then I'm chasing it with a bottle of booze. And literally this is the last time that I'm suicidal because I have no community. I mean, really like, yes, my husband's there, but you know, I had no connection to where I felt supported Mm -hmm. and it was really just me having my walls up, like obviously, but so I'm standing in the kitchen doing this and I'm just like, what the hell am I doing? And for the first time in over a decade, I get the response and it's like, oh, you're trying to make yourself look as ugly on the outside as you feel on the inside because you hate yourself. And that was like a whole (laughs) lot of, yeah, swallow that. And like, I, then I'm like bawling even harder. And then the follow-up is like, oh, and by the way, that's, this is all your choices that made this 
Like you're responsible for this moment. So that was a whole lot of bitch slap from spirit, like legit. (laughs) And I was like, okay. So needless to say, I'm crying even harder, kill off the bottle, you know, like, and then I start planning my uh, end of life basically. And I'm so type A that it's not perfect before I pass out. So thankfully, (laughs) thank you control issues uh, for once. But I woke up the next day and I was like, whoa, I'm done. I am done trying to control anything other than myself because I'd spent a lifetime giving my power away to pretending to be who I thought I should be and never accessing my power, my truth, myself. It was the one relationship I never nurtured. I always rejected. Mm -hmm. And so the beginning of 2015 was really about learning how to make friends with me learning how to, uh, you know, have self-love and self-respect and have a relationship with myself because I didn't know how to do that. It's not something I ever did. I didn't know how to do it. It was always playing the role and wearing the mask and everything was external focused. It was external validations and the attaboys and the grades and the performance and, you know, music or sports or whatever. That's how I thought I got love and attention. So never did I learn in my high functioning, (laughs) unhealthy coping to nurture a relationship with myself. Your power is vulnerability. (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) say, holy shit, lady. (laughs) I appreciate you sharing that. That's so powerful. And it resonates with me so much because I feel like I'm only a couple years behind you on the same journey. I had my plan. I had my, that's why I started therapy was because I had when it was going to happen and there were reasons and I'm not sharing, but there were reasons why I had to wait and I didn't think I could wait. So I went into therapy to get me to stay long enough so I could complete my plan. That's the only reason I joined therapy. Joined, entered, whatever you say. Enrolled. Yeah, enrolled. (laughs) So that was in 2019 that I, I finally went into therapy and am now on the same path. So it personally resonates a lot with me, but I know that we're not the only people in the world that don't know ourselves. I know so many men and women who can't be alone. Like if they're alone, they're consuming, I don't mean food or, or alcohol or anything, but they're, they're consuming so that they don't think they, they can't have that alone time. And the thought of meditating for five minutes is terrifying. And I used to be that. So I know other people are. I was too. Yeah. And that is just like you said, it's because we don't, we're not friends with ourselves. No, no. And I had no, no coping toolkit. Like, what am I going to do? Like, if I actually slow down long enough to be present with my thoughts and feelings, what what am I going to do with it? right? Like it was overwhelming. 
It was so overwhelming. I mean, and when I started utilizing the release techniques that my clients love, I resisted it like crazy because it was just like, I was so scared about what would come out. And so I always tell my clients, I'm like, just do this release technique. I promise you, no one has spontaneously combusted (laughs) or died or, or anything terrible has happened by utilizing this technique. I promise you, it feels crazy and intense and overwhelming because we've just been ignoring it for however many decades we've been on the planet. (laughs) Yeah, that's the sound of silence. That song was playing through my mind and that is definitely one of the the loudest when you're not in a healthy place with yourself so it's so good to get there mm-hmm. do you well, have and it oh. doesn't eliminate the fact that that's going to come up again right we're right. going to go through ebbs and flows and extreme stuff so I just had it a few weeks ago where I was in that space of I just want to burn it all down <laughs> I'm done Right. Like, and what was interesting was being very present with the thoughts and emotions. Cause it was that to a certain degree, almost getting into that suicidal ideation of like, I'm done. Like, what's the point, whatever. Right. Like, so it's in that same ballpark yet again is, is giving myself the opportunity to just observe it and just like, no, no, I'm just in this place of there's a lesson I need to learn a decision that needs to be made or both. And I will get to it. Let me just use my tools. Right. Right. Well, and you're right. It's it's not personal suicidal ideation, but you can blow up your entire relationship. You can blow up your entire business, (laughs) friendships, and that it's exactly the same. You're like, fuck this shit. I'm out. Fuck this shit. I'm out. (laughs) I'm done. Peace out. Exactly. What has been your biggest obstacle? Oh, just in general. <laughs> I mean, it's always I, like self, right? Like yeah. it's we nothing gets in our way but ourselves. Yeah. Like there's it's it's never a lack of resources. It is only a lack of resourcefulness, as Tony Robbins always says, right? So when we're in that suck cycle, the sabotage that everything's wrong and we're starting to self-implode, everything's in our own way. Like we don't allow ourselves to see the opportunities. So of course, as we contract in, right? Like things get smaller, it gets more pinpointed. There's fewer opportunities, fewer resources, fewer whatever. So it's just our mindset, our perspective. And so that's why it's like 80% of the work that I do with my clients. It's always this inner work because it's like nothing stopping you, but yourself. And it's the same for me. Nothing's getting in my way. And we are the direct correlation to, you know, money in the bank, opportunities coming in, the quality of our health and wellness, the quality of our relationships. It's on us. Yeah. I love that. Um, I think you said it on a one of your podcasts, not that I stalk you, but I tiny bit do. <laughs> you have my app. <laughs> did you download my app? No, it's, I did not. I just, I just had it on the list. It is on the list to do today. You had talked about radical self. What was it? Radical self-responsibility. 
Yeah, the ownership. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely love that. I have worked with, her name's Katie Boyd. Um, She has the Ambitious podcast. And one of her things is she taught me and, you know, everyone that listens, but I was a victim. And I always, always prided myself on being strong and being, you know, I was always the exception to the rule. I'm a teen mom, but I finished school and, you know, I came from a really shitty childhood. So I'm making better childhoods for my, my kids. And it's something I always prided myself on. But when I was doing one of the journal prompts that she had on it, about victimhood, I realized I played the victim all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. Blamed my childhood for my actions. And once you can actually realize that you are your problem, it changes the game. Every time. Yeah. And that how do you get people who are so in their masculine and it could be feminine i'm not sure but just where they're so i'm doing this because of you know someone else it's a retaliation it's whatever how do you get them to see that it's actually them every time honestly the best or way should we pay for that <laughs> yeah no <laughs> Well, the best, here's the thing, like, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Right. So we cannot tell people how to solve themselves or fix themselves or get out of their own shit until they're ready. So all we can do is lead by example. So the best thing that I did, so that was my husband, right? I started doing my personal development journey. He's not, you'd literally just described him beautifully. Like he's (laughs) always in that it's everybody else's fault not his problem, not his responsibility. Everyone else, everything else made him do it. And I'm just like, okay. So frustrating is all hell for me. So I had to learn to let go of control because I cannot control what he does and simply focus more on what I do have control over. And that is myself. And that is it, right? But going back to your point, right? Where it's, people don't realize they're the solution to their own problem because they're so busy focusing on all this external stuff that they don't have control over. And that was my story. I grew up the victim coming from abuse, trauma, instability, all the shit, everything's external validation, but it's also external influence for everything, Mm -hmm. right? I'm reacting to everything no control over what I needed to be in control of and always trying to control all the shit that was not mine. And so, of course, that perpetuates that powerlessness. And that's really what we mean when we say victim, right? It's being powerless because we give our power away to external things or people. Yes. And when we take our power back and focus on making the changes, then not only do we get better, but it also affects the people around us. So no, I can't control my husband, but I'll tell you sure as hell, I have influenced the shit out of him because he's not only working with his own coaches now, I've been able to hire him into my second company to work with me 
in our team and our, you know, building our vision and our message and our mission. It's, it's improved our relationship and and all of it. And I'll tell you, like, I mean, obviously I still, I can't control him, right? He's his own person. I respect him. And I, every single time I get frustrated. And if I'm projecting something, you know, where I'm like, what, you know, focusing on something he's not doing, I take a step back and say, okay, how is whatever he's doing or not doing that's pissing me off a reflection of me? So I take that radical ownership and responsibility to say, all right, if he's pissing me off for whatever dumb thing, you know, he's not folding the laundry, whatever, right? <laughs> like, yeah. it's stupid married life. Um, but I take the step back and say, okay, I'm frustrated with him. What, how is this situation a reflection of me? So if I'm like, okay, he's not doing X, Y, Z. I stop and say, all right, what am I not doing that I know I need to be doing? And that's really where I'm frustrated. I'm just projecting it onto him. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, does laundry really matter? No. no. <laughs> but we put so much emphasis on it because it's never about the laundry. It's about something else. Yeah. So I'm, I'm grateful to be at that place in my journey where I can give myself that disconnect, that 30,000 foot view to not get sucked into my own drama cycle or sabotage to step back and say, okay, yes, I see you negative thoughts and emotions coming up. This is a messenger. What is this telling me? And so now I have, I'm empowered to decipher the message. Yeah, that's, it's amazing. And while you were telling me about that, one thing that drives me nuts about my husband is they're very similar. They're yours and my husband. He is not on the same journey, but the influence that I have had over him because he has grown just not the same way I have, you know what I mean? Yeah, But I've definitely influenced him and he's thinking differently. And I get so frustrated when he starts blaming other people for something. And I'm like, no, it's your reaction to them. And now I can see why it frustrates me and a little bit is jealousy because it's really hard to be responsible for everything, you know, or at least like, yourself. <laughs> right. Well, that's what I mean. It, yeah. It's really hard to be responsible for your anger, to know that you are the reason that you're pissy. You are ruining your own day by choosing to dwell. That sucks. And I'm a little mm-hmm. jealous that I can't go back to just blaming everyone else. <laughs> Right. It's, it's almost like the matrix, right? Once you take, once you take the blue pill, you know, or the red pill, whatever, whichever one it was to leave yeah. the matrix, <laughs> like having a brain fart. can't remember. Um, but whichever one you take, obviously to leave the matrix, you can't go back. Right? Yeah. Once the veil is lifted and you're like, Oh, and then the other challenges too, for those of us who have this heightened awareness because of where we're at in our journey, minding, not excusing other people's behavior either, just because you know their history and their background, 
like, oh yeah, like we can easily be like, oh no, 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 like hurt people, hurt people. Like they're just in their trauma response right now. Like, okay. Mm -hmm. So I don't take it personal. However, I still have to hold to my own boundaries. Yeah. And that's also that next step is like, oh, okay, now we have all the awareness. However, that doesn't mean, you know, accepting less respect because we see somebody going through their own victim trauma cycle. I'm like, dude, do you, that's fine. I'm not here to control you. However, I do also have my standards and no, no, kind of feeling disrespected right now as you're in your whatever. So uh, we'll talk about this later. Right. You know, this is not the time or Mm -hmm. he has road rage. So he'll say something. And then a little later, he'll be like, I can't believe he cut me off. And I just, oh, I already forgot about it. Yeah, and that's it. Still dwelling on it. Like, <laughs> right. I already forgot. Sorry, Nick, for airing this. He listens. So it's all right. Like we all do it. I mean, we oh, all have our sure. stuff. We all have our moments, but we've got to funnel that emotion into something constructive. That's why you know my release technique is so important for me in, in having a habit around that because the emotions are not wrong. That's the most important thing. Just because right. we you know, some, we feel something and it see, feels reactive or elevated or irrational or more than, you know, pertains to the situation in the present moment. Well, there's a reason because we're tapping into something old. So it's a trigger hitting some old emotion. Now we have the power to choose. Do we react and bring that old emotion to where seven-year-old me is now showing up to the team meeting, <laughs> passive aggressively talking, right? Like, nah, nah, what? That's not, yeah, not going to be helpful. So I can feel the emotions and I can be present with it and recognize it. And then I can, you know, give myself that little bit of a second to say, oh, okay. Now I can choose how to move forward that I either, okay, uh, a lot to process. So let's finish this conversation later. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I got to process whatever, or, you know, giving myself that moment to be like, Hmm, just reaction, calm down, like use my tools. It's okay. Right. So like we can take those steps to change the outcome and how we're showing up. So but we've got to be present. And, and that yes. goes back to that first step that we talked about, building that relationship with ourselves. And the way that we do that is having a daily routine. I mean, it seems so simple that everybody dismisses it. But the reason every single guru, every single leader, every single successful, impactful person out there says, dude, you got to have a routine, at least a morning routine. And because that's where you're able to start building a dialogue and a relationship with yourself, right? Journaling, gratitudes, we're learning how to focus on positive celebrations. We're learning how to build a conversation with ourselves and get to know, hey, what am I thinking and feeling? Who am I being throughout my day? You know, so it's, it's journaling's about thoughts and feelings, not just reporting the actions you took. Yeah. Well, that's, Awesome. Especially gratitude, starting to focus on gratitude, even just one a day, just make sure that you sit and you don't just write it. Like you said, you can't just write it down, but just start with, and it doesn't have to be morning. Having a morning routine is good, but (laughs) if you just have a time of day where you sit and 30 seconds to a minute and you think of one thing you're grateful for and envision it, that's it. 
Like, I'm not saying you have to meditate or mantra or anything, but be like, I'm grateful for what Nick does for the family. And then just picture all the things that he does. And you Mm -hmm. literally feel different afterwards. It's amazing. Yeah. Every time. And, and, and that was what I was going to say is when we find ourselves frustrated with a person or with ourselves, we just stop and say, okay, what am I grateful for here? So some of my best gratitudes in the morning are actually looking at what is a challenge I'm experiencing right now? And what am I grateful for from said challenge? So I'll be like, okay, I am grateful for the friction of my marriage right now because I'm learning how to be a better partner. I'm grateful for the uh, cash flow problems in my business right now because I'm learning how to be more resourceful. You know, like that kind of like real life stuff. Yeah. I'm grateful for the uh, interpersonal problems with my employees because bitch, I got employees. That's amazing. You know, (laughs) like, yes, celebrate that. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it seems so easy for you and I, because we are on this, but I know it starts really hard. That's why I was just like, just something you're grateful for, not even trying to flip the script, but eventually it becomes so easy. My Uh. first morning routine was just make my bed and brush my teeth. For somebody who was so trapped in my depression, anxiety, PTSD cycles, and all the health issues that I had, just getting out of bed said a lot for my day. Yeah. You know, being in the lowest of the low, you know, hygiene gets kind of lacking. Mm -hmm. So for me, if I made my bed and brushed my teeth, that meant I got my ass out of bed and I did something to take care of myself. And literally that was the catalyst at the beginning of 2015 to get me to here now, which is half my body weight, six companies, uh, saved my marriage. We're going to be celebrating our 20 year anniversary in May, you know, and and impacting on such a massive scale. I mean, I wouldn't have put a book out. I wouldn't have a podcast. I wouldn't be doing any of the stuff that I'm doing today in such a short period of time. Had I not started with just, all right, what do I have control over? That's me. So what am I going to do? And it was literally, that was it. It was that simple. Just get out of bed and make my bed. Oh, that sounds simple. Mm -hmm. It wasn't simple simple. though. (laughs) It was, it was very simple at the time because that was the most I could do. Mm -hmm. But I, I bring that up because it seems so small and so simple. And yet that catalyzed so much in such a short period of time. Yeah. You don't need to eat the whole elephant. Just take a little bite. One thing. One thing. So your podcast is the influential CEO. CEO. And when I first saw you post about influential, I loved it so much because it it kind of changed the way I thought about leadership, which is always evolving. But it it seemed more when I thought of leaders before, they were above, they were other. And now I'm realizing, and your your name just had me thinking a different way that they're really not. They're just humans. They just, they're just like me. They have a different story. They have different lenses. They have blah, blah, blah. But they are only humans. And when they're not in flow 
when they're influencing, which I, I assume is what you're going for, they do portray that other. Mm-hmm. And the leaders that I'm starting to really resonate with and mold myself, not to be like them, but just not to mimic, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm yeah. trying to grow myself so that mm-hmm. I can be more Examples. like them. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. They are more in flow. They they show their humanism there. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love the name and would like to know your inspiration behind it. And if I just butchered what you meant by it. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. No, I love it. It it was so funny. So, you know, I'd, I'd reached a point in my journey where I was talking a lot in 2020 about influential leadership. Mm-hmm. And again, consummate science nerd that I am, I'm just like, hmm. I got that intuitive nudge. Like, I wonder what the root word of influence is. Cause it feels kind of like in flow or whatever. Like it mm-hmm. just was one of those divine download moments. And of course I research it and it was, you know, the, the root is literally to be in flow. And really? I was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. So I was like, well, shit, we'll just be influential. And I searched all over the interweb and all the only people using that word, it was nowhere to be found except for a band. And that was it. Was this band. That's fragmenters. There's a fragmenters band. (laughs) Right. Like literally that's it. And, and it was so funny. So I was like, oh, hell yes. So not only did I start using it and it kind of took on a heart and soul of its own very quickly, then I registered the trademark. So, you know, that's pending. And it's funny because now I'm starting to see it elsewhere a little bit, right? Like you start being that early adopter of this concept and now there's like other bands like so-and-so and the influentials or whatever. But, and then obviously people who like to duplicate, so that's why I registered for the trademark as soon as possible. So yeah. outside of music, I'm covered. Like it's all just influential is mine. So, but it's literally in my mind, it is that highest level of leadership where it is just who you are being. It is effortless. It is just like you said, you know, the humanness. It's the balance of the masculine feminine energy. We're just so real leading by example. We have this energy that shifts the room when you walk into it. And this type of confidence that elevates and inspires others to their greatness, not the type of confidence that diminishes others. Right. And so that's why I love taking back the word alpha where we are influential alpha leaders because a genuine alpha truly influences in that way. It's just the energy of who they are. It's never from this wounded space driven by ego at all or control. It is leading by example, having this energy that is supportive, right? That we can hold safe space for others and then have that authenticity and vulnerability where they feel comfortable connecting and communicating with us, right? So it's high levels of communication. We can communicate with other people by getting on their world map because we're so aware of ourselves. Yeah, that... It's definitely what I aspire to be. And it's it's helped me because the masks we've talked about, one of my masks was 
hiding my my start because I am successful in IT. I'm now in leadership at a nuclear lab. Everyone I see around me, mostly, not all, but they didn't come from my background. They had more financial stability. They had, mm-hmm. you know, all this stuff. So I had always hidden that part of me. I didn't tell people I was a teen mom. I didn't tell people about, you know, for a long time before I worked through everything, when someone asked about my mom, I told them she was dead because I didn't have the capacity and the confidence to talk about my mom being alive, but I haven't spoke to her in seven, eight years, you know? So it's, I forgot where I was going with that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, Oh, because I was masking to hide it, but being able Mm -hmm. to be your authentic, true self. I've seen when I started this job, I made $17 an hour Mm. and I'm now, um, making triple that or over two times that. So when you can finally embrace yourself and not hide, I feel like you can expand. That is so true. It is. It's, it's owning your story, right? Cause it goes to that radical ownership and responsibility of ourselves is that when we're fully owning every aspect of our story, that's one of those ways we take our power back. Because anybody could use information against us if we're not in full ownership and transparency. But nobody can come at me at all with anything at this point because, like, I've shared it all. I'm like, yep, my husband, we're going to be celebrating our 20 year anniversary in May, but we've also survived infidelity on both sides. I own it. Like it's out there, right? Like that kind of stuff that when it came to, you know, us being at our most dysfunctional, I was the one who was more prone to violence. He and I both came from physical and non-physical violence in our childhood. But when it came to like the explosiveness and the impulse control, like I was the one who'd be more inclined to throw something or put my fist through the wall, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's all of those things over the years, you know, where it's just, I have power over me and my story. Nobody can use that against me. And so it's just very empowering. And that's truly stepping into that highest form of leadership because Mm -hmm. you shine brighter when you own all of you. Yeah. I love that. That's definitely in the flow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you have a lot of different backgrounds on what you've done. Uh, Like a lot of us who are not in our twenties anymore. Sorry, I'm assuming that you're not in your 20s. <laughs> no, I will be 44 um, in a few days, actually. Oh, nice. Well, yeah. happy early birthday. Thanks. A week from tomorrow, actually, I will be 44. Nice. In any of your fields, do you feel that it's important for women to be in them? Oh, yeah. Always. Always. We need that balance, right? You mm-hmm. know, of, of men and women in as many industries as possible. Any, And I mean, obviously there's certain things that people are just naturally going to gravitate to. It's just a shame to see so many moving away 
for social pressure or family pressure, like, no, you know, don't be an engineer or don't be in this, or even for the guys, like, don't be a hairstylist, you know, even though that, or a makeup artist, you know, if that's what they're passionate about, like, what does it matter? What excites people? So Mm -hmm. I think it's anytime we start dimming our own light, it's always a disservice, not only to ourselves, but to the world. Oh, for sure. I bring this up quite frequently. Well, not this. I'll I'll put it in another way. My son is has dyslexia mm-hmm. and struggles with reading. And we were in an IEP meeting and it was brought up by someone in the room that boys are just better at math. And could that be the reason he's behind in reading and is good in all the other stuff? And it just infuriates me. Because boys are not better than math. Like they don't come out of the womb knowing two plus two and girls not. Mm -mm. That is a societal pressure, which you just brought up that I think, no, I know needs to change in order for STEM to be more diverse. And it's not just, it's not just girls, you know, if you come from, some different um, cultures, ethnic diversity, they're told that they're not gooder. Gooder? Oh my God. <laughs> they're good. Not, they're not good enough in certain, certain things. Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. And as much as you desire someone to be like, yeah, bullshit, it's really hard when that's everything surrounding you. I talked to someone who wanted to be a astronaut or a race car driver. And she was born in the 60s. And she's like, I remember my, my, not boyfriends, but friends who were boys, they would walk around with their race cars. And they're like, I'm going to be a race car driver. And everyone was like, Oh, yeah, that's cute. And she's like, I would say I want to be a race car driver. And they'd be like, Oh, honey, you know, (laughs) and that, that's where it starts. That's where we got to get got got to get the narrative shifted, I think is right from the beginning. Always, always. Right. What advice would you give someone if they wanted to enter into, let's say they want to be an author and a speaker? (laughs) So the most important thing when you're wanting to impact on a bigger level is knowing yourself. So the first steps are always being willing to lean into your own journey so that you have that story to share. That's the most important thing, right? I see so many people just jumping onto stages or podcast interviews or, you know, wanting to speak because they feel that calling. Mm -hmm. However, they don't know what their message is. They don't know who it's for, right? They've got to take that time to go inward because all the answers are there. Everything that you need is already inside you, but we've got to be willing to filter through all the bullshit to get to our own truth and know what that is. You know, I started my business originally as this kind of idea, this concept, but things didn't really blow up for me until I was willing to, again, own my truth and show up as my personal brand. So I rebranded at the end of 2018 as Stacy Rasky, my whole business, everything. And I started sharing that I was an Iraq war veteran and a biker chick and all of that. And like everything blew up because now people are like, oh my God, I see myself in her. Yeah. And you everybody that human. I work, 
Exactly. Right. And everybody that I work with is always, they're like, oh my gosh, you're doing, I want to do what you're doing. Like my version of what you're doing is why they come into our ecosystem. They want to speak on stages, have best-selling books, uh, do events, you know, start coaching, consulting, being that creator in some way, um, and really just impacting at a far greater level. Everybody's very impact driven and they're like, okay, I can feel the untapped potential that per, that purpose is calling me for something big. And I know mm-hmm. I'm not accessing everything that I could. And so we're like, yep, yeah, time to be now, influential. Yeah. <laughs> now, are those the only clients you like, what does, are those the only clients you look for? Or do you work with CEOs, business owners? Because mm-hmm. I can, I can see that the world needs more of the influential environment. And I know that you probably draw very similarly to what and who you are and what your aspirations are, but do you work with other people? Yeah. The bulk of our um, clients are are entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. or if they're executives, you know, they're ready to build more of that personal brand in conjunction with being an entrepreneur for somebody else's company, if they're C-suite, but the bulk of them are almost everybody, like 85% of them, 90% of them are some type of entrepreneur, business owner, or about to be. Right. So, so all levels you work with, not just already successful. Yes. Yeah. All levels, because we've got the full spectrum. I mean, we've got our Academy, so we've got, you know, your DIY courses for people just getting started. So, you know, a lot of what we've talked about today goes down to um, boundaries, healthy boundaries. Mm -hmm. So I have those courses. I have the companion course to my best-selling book, stuff like that, right? Those are great opportunities for people to start, you know, grabbing free resources like the emotional release technique, right? That's all the stuff that we have in our ecosystem to start consuming the podcast, stuff like that as well. And then they can work their way up depending on where they're at. And we've got at our highest level of our mastermind, we have, you know, eight, nine figure serial entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm you know, who are just ready to, again, start that next level of the personal brand. They're speaking more. They want to start their coaching or consulting business. So, and there's just kind of everybody in between. And it's less about where you're at in your journey and more about the type of person you are, which again, is that very kind of type A, high-performing leader who's very impact-driven, very purpose-driven, and yet is aware enough, like, oh my God, I'm totally getting in my own way right now, (laughs) right? It's the control issues. It's the hustle. It's the making things harder, the burnout, because they're maxed out. So Right. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Now, you gave us some good advice to be in your field. What is the best advice you've personally or professionally received? The best advice is, um, let's see here. You know, it's funny because I I always say, this is the thing that I I say all the time is you've got to lead yourself before you can lead a revolution. Mm. So it really starts with the self-leadership. And that isn't necessarily a singular quote or piece of advice, but that's my sort of reformatting of what I learned along the way about the power and importance of those healthy boundaries as that stepping stone to letting go of control and really being able to shine in our full power. 
I love that. And it's so true. And it's the hardest. It feels like it's so much easier to go out there and just boss people around mm -hmm. <laughs> than to fully embrace yourself. Mm -hmm. So true. All right. You sound very passionate about what you do and that you love it. But I like to get to know people and know what you do for fun. So ride my motorcycle. Any amount of time I can spend on the beach or on our boats is always good. Any time on the water um, is the best. I love to travel. Um, I like to paint, draw, color. That's always good sort of reset time. And I absolutely love music. So any opportunity to go to concerts is always great. What kind of music? Uh, honestly, everything and anything. I am non-denominational. <laughs> but do you like screamo? I literally like everything. As long as it is conducive to my mood or right. the mood or emotion that I want to create. So whether we're talking Southern gospel, whether we're talking Aboriginal didgeridoos, whether we're talking trip hop, chill hop, you know, ambient dubstep, whether we're talking about country, rock, punk, alternative, it doesn't matter. All the crazy little sub genres, <laughs> they all have their place and they all serve a purpose based on whatever we're feeling. Sometimes it's, I'm jamming out to, you know, folk music, mm -hmm. whatever. That bluegrass could be whatever. Oh girl, they have this new bluegrass rock genre. That have you found that? Oh my gosh, I love I it. love rockabilly. So Rockabilly's fun. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'll have to send you a couple of my favorite like bluegrass rock crossover bands. Mm -hmm. They are so good. I have to ask that because most people are like, I love everything except. And usually screamo is the one that people accept. So I have to ask. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's gonna be, you know, some of that really hardcore you know, like a death metal, you know, like, I mean, it's all got its place. You know, yep. I do love me some Slipknot and that definitely kind of starts getting into that genre, but you know, there's definitely some of those that are really extreme. I'm like, eh, but well, that's yeah. everything. Yeah. The most that's extreme everything. is mm -hmm. eh. exactly. All right. Well, that's all I had for you. Do you have any questions for me? No, this was great. Awesome. Well, you have so much to offer and I want to make sure everyone knows about it. So how are the ways that people can get in touch and work with you? Yeah, absolutely. The easiest kind of central hub for all things is go to stacyraski.com. You know, you'll see the links to download our app, get access to the podcast, whatever our events are, because right now we've got our November event coming up and it is going to be amazing. So all of that stuff is stacyraski.com. And then of course, on any socials, just type my name in and you'll find me and feel free to send me a message. It's lucky to have an original name and that you embraced it because mm -hmm. it is easier to find you that way. That's why, even though my married name is Stacy Martin and I was excited to get a generic last name <laughs> and I made my maiden name, my middle name. So legally I am Stacy Rasky Martin. Mm -hmm. is my legal name. So like when I went to branding, I was like, oh gosh, I was born with a branded name, Stacy Rasky. So here we go. For sure. Brandable. 
All right, Stacy. thank you so much. I really appreciate you being on and I will let you know when this comes out. It'll, it'll be a few weeks. I can't remember, but I can let you know the date if you need it. Perfect. Sounds All good. Right. Happy to share. All right. Thank okay. you so much, Stacy. I really appreciate the time that you took You're with welcome. us. You have a thank good day. You. you too. Bye. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for listening today. I hope you had as much fun as I did. If you liked this, please rate, review, and subscribe to ensure that you can more easily find me in the future. Thank you again. Bye. We got the right stuff.